Hi, Troy. Hey, Tara. <laughs> okay, so this is totally off the cuff. We're just winging it. And our adrenaline is pumping because the neighbor's great Pyrenees just came and tried to have a supper of our waterfowl. Yeah. And we had to spend a great length of time getting it off. <laughs> <laughs> you faced off with a great Pyrenees that was not very happy. Oh, I had a stick in my hand, though. Yeah, but he was really close to you. And then I panicked and told you to come home when you, you got mad at me. Yeah, you can't back down from a dog. So. I know, it's true. Um, so anyway, I'm just going to, this is a little adjunct to the essay that I just did where I was talking about nutrition, but it was a little... It wasn't specifically about sort of where we're at seasonally and the stuff that we're eating now and what's going on maybe in the kitchen and as we're sort of moving through our our stores, our food stores. And the reason that I wanted you to come on here is because I was going to talk a little bit about um, the way that your nutrition sort of changes depending where you are in your training year because you um, design your workouts and your training is it in blocks and quadrants is that how you do it Uh, i'd probably say it's more in quarters so it's kind of in line with the seasons i guess probably be an easier way to look at it so yeah quarters or seasons kind of yeah because in the summer you do more because you do adventure races and stuff, so probably that's when you start working more on your cardiovascular fitness. Yeah, I find the winters when things slow down and uh, things get cold here too. Um, so during the winter season, I guess that's when I would focus more on like uh, maximum strength and, uh, and mass gaining and uh, just work out uh, with weights uh, as well as body weight exercises uh, in our home gym, which we have set up in the garage. And then I guess for endurance or cardio during winter time, uh, I think that's more just going for daily walks with you uh, with snowshoes when there's snow on the ground and uh, doing that. But then come the change of seasons in the spring, I guess that's when things change as well. And I just get the itch to start putting more uh, strength endurance and endurance events into my training. And so I think once spring comes, uh, I see that bit of an evolution going from primarily gym-based to more trail, outdoor-based, but still definitely including uh, maximum strength in addition to the strength endurance and endurance during the spring and summer. What is what do you mean maximum strength? Um, so maximum strength would be kind of winter time with uh, just lifting weights, uh, kind of always trying to use uh, compound movements to yeah just uh, get stronger, and then uh, strength endurance would be more with the use of uh, body weight exercises or using my pal uh, a seventy five pound sandbag, uh, which I. Uh, incorporated into my training uh, probably three years ago and uh, I just think it's the most incredible tool out there to take yourself from doing um, 
let's say, uh, like sandbag overhead press, uh, sandbag squats, uh, pull-ups with weights, or even push-ups with uh, either a weight vest or a 75-pound sandbag on your back. Um, yeah, so... So you're, you like it to add more to your body weight exercises mainly? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so mm-hmm. just to give that extra challenge. And then even for... Uh, I'm not a big believer for me anyways in terms of distance running. Um, I like being able to know that I can run five kilometers at a good clip. But uh, really my... Uh, maximum distance that I incorporate into my training for running or jogging would be uh, probably about the two kilometer mark. I've never seen you jog in your life. Well, that's not true. You had a picture of me last year, I guess. No, with my... you run. Nobody <laughs> would call that a jog, Troy. That's like full out machine running. You look like that Russian guy off the old Rocky movie, you know, when they have him on the treadmill and he's like heaving and pumping. You know what I'm talking about? That's a cool compliment. That's yeah. what you look like when you run. Like, <laughs> I think when we were dating, I told you you were a steam train. Remember that? I do. I do. You're still a steam train. You just got more gray hairs. Maybe that's why I work out partially, too, is to make sure you still think of me like that. <laughs> of course I do. So, okay, so here, I'll put you right on the spot. So when you're doing this, okay, so in the summer, you usually do, I don't know, two or three adventure races. Is that fair, would you say? Yeah, for sure. So, and the, those adventure races, though, they're not like it's not like a just exclusively biking or exclusively running. Like you're like climbing things and running over things. So it's a lot of like power and speed, right? Yeah, very def- yeah, definitely multidisciplinary. Like trail running, kayaking, canoeing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, mountain biking. Um, yeah. And then I've also designed uh, one here that uh, that I run every fall on our property. And I think that's kind of been really motivating for me as well as a, a small collection of uh, good men just to pit ourselves against each other with uh, some good, hard fun. Mm-hmm. The Bowman competition. Yeah, the Bowman competition. Mm-hmm. So you guys do circuits and put all sorts of torturous, ridiculous things while you're sprinting through this circuit and then you have to when you're physically exhausted you're also shooting at animal targets all along the circuit and you have to have like a certain um accuracy or or you have to actually hit it even or else you start getting physical penalties for that as well right yeah that's kind of it in a nutshell so it's designed around uh, several different hunts each hunt uh, incorporates it into its uh, 3D uh, bow hunting. Uh, also, a, there's a, a push, squat, press, uh, or pull component. Uh, and then it gets progressively harder with each hunt, where the first one is just with uh, your mission essential <laughs> equipment. The second hunt is with uh, carrying your sandbag all the way through it. And then in the third hunt, you're actually taking your sandbag and throwing it into a sled and uh, pulling it behind you. So it just gets progressively harder as you work your way through uh, the course. Mm. So um, I have a question for you. So how um, does your nutrition change, Troy, when you're training for that versus when you're putting, let's say, winter time, when you're focusing more on putting on mass? What do you do different, I'm wondering? Well, this is where I have to say <laughs> I am so blessed. I just... Um, 
You it's eat ma- the plate. That's it, what you do. It's magic. It's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, delicious magic. You have no idea. Uh, no. <laughs> but I have to say again, I'm so grateful and appreciative for everything you put into our bodies because that's one thing I have to say too is like I really know that you change how I eat depending on where I am at in my training cycle. I know in wintertime, uh, the food that uh, I'm so blessed to have you prepare for us uh, becomes more the, the heavier meals. And then come spring, summer, um, you change it up uh, so that uh, I have more fuel, uh, I think, to allow for the increased cardio uh, and the uh, strength endurance activities that I like pursuing in the summertime. I think that's what's cool too about like eating seasonally and the way that you've sort of worked your goals for the year, like your physical fitness goals for the year. Um, <clears throat> they they sort of they're in an, a nice alignment there because um, you know the stuff that you're doing in the summertime really does benefit from from more like you know from the fruit or the vegetables that get added in and. Uh, you know it's nice that that's just happens to be what's available around us at that time and then um in the in the winter time we've got like you know all that stuff the the root vegetables and stuff but really i think your diet becomes a lot more um protein and fat heavy than i mean you always have adequate protein of course but when you're putting on mass you have to you have to be able to, you have to eat more protein. I mean, it's just, that's just the way it is. And especially too, as you start aging and sarcopenia or muscle wasting just naturally starts taking place, it doesn't, it doesn't work that if you, you know, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of people have this erroneous idea that as you age, you need less protein. You know, you see these senior citizens in the old folks' home <laughs> yeah. and they're drinking, they're eating like toast and maybe one egg or just cereal and oatmeal for breakfast. It's abysmal and they're suffering from all sorts of like orthopedic issues and um, I mean, just functional cognitive issues as well. And like I have found too, like now into my 50s, that it's, it takes, me um even with a foundation of muscle i can see that it's it it's it's i don't want to say disappears but it's um it takes more work to hang on to it like do you find that oh for sure and uh, i have to say that uh for me like uh i like saying i'm a true carnivore because i think uh red meats and good fats comprise a significant proportion of our meals and the thing that uh, I think I particularly appreciate with the way we eat too is that uh, we only eat two meals a day, and when I do my morning workout, it's on a, it's in a fasted state, and I have to say that I really know that I'm being properly fueled because I don't have any lows, and actually I feel very adequately supplied with fuel for my morning workouts based off of the previous meal I had, which would have been the day prior, probably around four or five in the afternoon. And that's with no ups and downs in terms of highs and lows with blood sugar. It's just a very constant state. And to be able to work out and feel primed um, 
and kind of at max capacity to give an all-out effort uh, almost, what would that be, like 12, 14 hours after my last meal? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's just incredible. So I'm so thankful for how you've been able to really um, put that into our lives and make us and fuel us with that vitality. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because there's like this big controversy right now. I don't know. It seems like on Instagram and these places that there's waves of like trends or (laughs) sort of focuses that people get on. And anyway, one of the things that people are talking about right now is like some people are saying that you shouldn't um, work out fasted because it really messes with your adrenals and your hormone function stuff. And I think that's true for some people, like for sure. I, I, I don't like saying anybody should do everything. It's up, it's up to the people. And I'm always, you know, that's always my message is to listen to your own body. But, um, you, you have such, um, capacity even in a fasted state. And I think that's just, um, evidence of the fact that you're really you know uh, you're just you have vibrant health like you're a truly healthy person and you have an excellent metabolism and I think that that it that also comes from the amount of muscle mass that you work to keep on you you know you can't you can't have excellent metabolism without having adequate muscle mass on your body it just doesn't work that way you need that and so I think that um, I know for me too, I've always worked out fasted and it, it doesn't affect my adrenal glands. I've, I've done that f- forever and I just wouldn't want to eat beforehand. I just don't feel good when I eat beforehand, but, um, yeah. anyway. Yeah. And if I could just add in there too, like it's interesting along that idea of just what you're saying about that steady state as well, because for example, I I do shift work as well. And I did a night shift last night, but I'm very careful to ensure that my meal times don't change regardless of whether I'm working a night shift or not. So like uh, we had our typical morning meal yesterday at uh, around 11, 12, Uh, we ate supper together around five. I started at a night shift at 11 or sorry, eight o'clock at night and worked till the t- following morning at eight. And being around coworkers that are eating carbs and sugar and everything else during the night, um, I'm able to not have those cravings uh, because I know how it would affect me. And I also don't have any lows. So based off of how again, you're fueling me. I just have a a constant steady state of energy. Um, And I have to say, I'm very careful not to mess with that either, despite the fact that I have shift work that I have to contend with on a regular basis. Yeah, that's been a big thing, eh? That is figuring that um, just not changing your eating patterns was a big thing. I think that's just a whole other level of tomfoolery on your hormones when you're like you know staying up at night and you've got the assault of fluorescent lights and your circadian rhythm is being messed with and then to add like the whole thing of asking your digestive system to wake up and start digesting food on top of everything else it just seems like another assault yeah so i think just keeping that as a a constant uh, regardless of circumstance for me is a fail safe in terms of my overall health i very strongly believe yeah, um, I was. I just want to get in there that you also are careful about electrolytes, like while you're working too, right? Do you think? Oh, that's been a 
game changer for me too. Mm-hmm. Like when you introduced that to, to us is just uh, the idea of electrolyte drinks. Like I wish I had known that during all my years in the military of how that could have benefited so much more um, where I was at in terms of enduring uh, in those circumstances, just being properly hydrated with uh, electrolyte drinks. So absolutely. And I think it also allows me to drink the appropriate amount of water during the day is just by having it properly measured uh with electrolytes i I don't think before i was i could drink free water uh to the quantity that i needed to but the second i started adding in electrolytes it just seemed to balance out for me in terms of getting the appropriate amount of hydration during the day very easily Mm -hmm. it's it's funny because on our well we have hard we have hard water um, which has its benefits because it, it's got a really, we had a full um, well water testing done, like the full deal, not just a bacteria count. And we had nice levels of like magnesium and some other things, but it, it is hard water. And there's some people say, you know, soft water is better, but there's actually stuff that also is showing that maybe hard water is actually better because of the mineral content. But the interesting thing is that sometimes I find like just, pouring a cup of water and drinking it is a lot heavier than if I just add a pinch of salt and stir it in first. And it makes like a a huge difference in how it feels in my body. Um, I know there's a whole bunch of stuff about structured water and I take my little structured water stick. Did you see, did you see that one that I bought for the girls? Yeah, you get it for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. And it does, it makes a difference. But anyways, um, yeah, that's, I think electrolytes, if people aren't taking electrolytes, they just truly don't understand how much better it makes you feel to drink electrolytes in your water. Yeah, um, no, I totally, totally agree with that. And I think it's having these regular schedules and routines in your life that uh, just allow you to perform constantly. Um, yeah, and probably add to that too like uh, even on competition day with that uh, bowman competition uh, just kind of speaking this idea of like the two meals a day and working out fasted like nothing changes for me with that competitions that that's performed in the morning like it starts at 10 o'clock and i do that competition on a fasted state as well mm-hmm. and that's such a far cry from before when we used to think carb loading and mm-hmm. change the day of the competition and i just come back to the idea why would you if it's working during uh, every other day of your year why would you change something on a particular day of a bigger event okay but i'm gonna do something different this time Uh oh (laughs) no you like it i'm gonna do a salt loading thing oh you're talking about this but just for you and andrew and i can say no more in case any of your competitors are listening to this because i am not giving them the edge andrew you're in yeah andrew is troy's partner so troy and andrew who's a dear friend of ours, um, have, has it been three years in a row that you've won or two years? Uh, two years. Okay, so they're, so they've won the last two years, this competition, and they're the old farts. The other guys are all yep, we're old. young bucks, and Andrew and Troy are the old guys, and they, they've won the last two years. So we've got to keep the winning streak going. So I'm going to do a salt load this year. So anyways, okay, enough of that. We should probably just um, touch on, I, <clears throat> we're here in April 1st. So I was going to say March, but 
April 1st and um, I thought I'd just do a little sweep of our food stores. We still have some winter squash. Um, we have, we're, what are we basically eating right now? Eggs and eggs and eggs because <laughs> there's a lot of eggs. The, all the birds are going crazy. We have um, duck eggs. The ducks are just, I, I'm sure they're laying twice a day. Okay, they're not, but it just feels that way. All the hens are laying. The turkeys have started laying. Um, I'm sure that the geese will start laying soon. <clears throat> we had, we have so many eggs that I'm going to start pickling them. Um, I don't like pickling duck eggs, but uh, chicken eggs, we love pickled. And I put all sorts of like herbs in them and stuff. And I use like um, some of my homemade vinegars. So it's not as strong and like blowing your sinuses out. Um, I never liked pickled eggs before, but my pickled eggs are good, eh? Yeah, Do you like they're them? delicious. Yeah. Yep. It's kind of nice to just have them in the fridge and then you just grab a few and you want to, you need something to eat. They're like. Well, it's all part of your Terra's fast food, which yeah. I think is so cool. Terra's fast food. And then, uh, so we're eating a lot of eggs. Um, and we had, let's see, a blade roast yesterday. That was really good. That's our favorite roast, a blade roast. Yeah, I got to say, it's part of my uh, favorite part of it, or one of the favorite parts of my day is when uh, we go for our morning walk. And then afterwards, you make a little beeline towards uh, our freezers in the garage and my peek into what's going to be happening for food for the day but i love seeing you do your shopping in our garage and i think this year has been pretty incredible in terms of i think we're getting better and better at um ensuring that we have the right amounts of everything put away into our freezers in the fall yeah so that by this time we're not running shorts or have too much of a surplus so that's been a lot of trial and error yeah yeah and now, um, instead of the kids eating here, they just come and fill up their suitcases. So it kind of works out to the same volume, really, in the end with how much we need. But um, so now at this time of year, we have um, five chest freezers and um, I could maybe in the next week or two go out and I could probably get us down to three just by amalgamating what's there. And then the other ones... Um, the other ones can be just shut off. They've been, so for us, um, they run throughout the winter, but they're outside in an uninsulated building. So they, the energy draws of those chest freezers is so low. It's, uh, you know, they hardly kick on most of the time because it is so cold there. So then once the warmer months start coming, we're like, we get to start unplugging them when, you know, and then by the time the fall comes, the goal is always to get down to, the bare minimum we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel when fall harvest comes again um but so <clears throat> so for right now we're still sort of on the root vegetables the heavier meats and sauces and um now I, like i said more eggs and um soup still mm -hmm. bone broth almost yeah every day we have bone broth i'd say yep. and um and then um, in, as the spring comes, the first thing that we start going for is like foraged greens will sort of get put into either dried or they'll start making their way into meals. Um, I have to be careful with oxalate, so um, it's not as much as maybe I would have had at one time, but um, 
Yeah, I guess just all cooking. The other day, um, I cleaned out the fridge and so I have all of my fats all organized again because everything was just in messy jars everywhere. There's the fats that I cook with. There's goose fat and duck fat and chicken schmaltz and um, tallow, lard. Uh, what's all, what else is in there? There's a whole bunch of jars in there. I don't know. It's a very pretty fridge to look at. <laughs> um, so we're just still eating the same, the same thing we've always eaten for years and years. This is just how we eat. And, um, we're looking forward to, um, having dairy again so I can make my butter and we can, we're going to put more of an effort towards cheese this year. Do you think I'm going to have a root cellar this year? possible it depends how much it's going to cost to dig it out i think so plus we have the other project of our perimeter fence and uh yeah that's a big one yeah and also too just uh mila's gazebo which uh, i think is a priority yeah that's a priority for sure so So i'd like to say yes to the root cellar it's definitely on the list um i think it's a it's a good possibility but we'll have to just see how uh, the next couple months unfold to Mm -hmm. see where we're at this is always the way things are i mean with our climate and where we live we have such a condensed growing season but we say growing season but it's a everything season it's like everything is growing and has to be planted and tended to and watered and all the animals have to be moved every day rotationally grazed every day there's babies being born there's always extra care given to animals during this time of year and at the same time of course we're doing all of our infrastructure projects i saw the barn by the way has a big piece of roof missing did you did you notice that old barn yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So like, you know, stuff like that. So it's like roof patching. And um, last year, Troy milled um, so much wood and built a hay um, loft. What would you call it? Hay loft? Hay... Yeah, just a hay. Yeah, probably a hay barn. Just a, Yeah, a hay yeah. barn um, out of the wood that he milled. So, I mean, you know, it, it it took a long time because he was milling it himself and building it himself and that's a pretty heavy duty structure so we don't want it blowing away on us and so it's just like if if he's doing that then that takes him away from doing the other things so there's always a project list of you know 20 30 things that you'd love to be able to do but um it's just us and we we're constantly prioritizing and then also trying to always be cognizant of what really needs to be done and what we can let go of because we've been those people that have driven ourselves into the ground and that's not a fun place to be uh independently or as a couple and um we're um very careful about not putting ourselves in that position again and driving yourself in the ground can also mean um you know physically emotionally all that but it can also mean with debt and we're given the where we are in the world i think being in debt is very precarious i did a podcast a couple weeks ago and the couple was telling me that they were um thinking of buying a property um a much nicer bigger property they were really excited about it and i'm i was happy for them but i just i know for us everything we do is like 
held up against like what we can actually afford because I I just we both really have the sense that with this drive to get people more into urban centers that um, you know if we owe the government or the bank money for our property it just makes us that more our position more precarious for sure yeah and i think it's an interesting thing coming to that idea of like uh investing into a project by going off farm to work and being away from well from you and from family to go work away to make money to pay somebody else to do a project on the farm too uh and balancing that against the possibility of Um, doing what you can yourself, acquiring the skill sets. And by doing the project yourself, uh, if it's feasible, uh, is also having that time at home to connect for our morning walk, have our meals together, and just even the togetherness of doing some of those projects together too. So Mm -hmm. it's this huge balancing act of finances, commitments, priorities. Wants. (laughs) Wants. Yeah. And trying to figure out the needs within all that and prioritizing Mm -hmm. it. But I think that's... One thing that I think we've definitely grown together as a couple over the years too is trying to figure out uh, and do that dance better uh, together so that it's all about having the slow times together and the enjoyment from it. And like you had said, not just driving ourselves into the ground because it can be done. Because I think we're both very good at knowing that we can get it done. Mm-hmm. We can. But do we have to? Yeah. yeah. That's actually like, I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't know if I can do it or put myself all out like that, you know, before they start something, I mean, and I think a lot of people are raised without those physical challenges. So they maybe don't know what they're actually capable of, you know, like, yeah, I mean, before I joined the army, I didn't, I I would say I didn't know I was capable of probably almost everything that I did you know and so like through that hardship you learn your capacity and you learn that maybe you're you don't there's no such thing as capacity that you can keep going oh for sure and I think yeah you and I both are very very good at that and so for us the tempering didn't come from (laughs) the exertion it came from holding ourselves back from just grinding ourselves to nubs no for sure I think you and I know that if we can conceive something we can definitely achieve it but Mm -hmm. we have to balance that too with the implications of Mm -hmm. that for us yeah so um i guess just the last thing i'll just mention is um so we have a fruit orchard um that has deer fence tons of deer where we live and so if you don't have a deer fence around your fruit orchard you basically don't have a fruit orchard Um, but we do have a fruit orchard and within the fruit orchard there's also my garden um, with another fence around it so then that way the um, birds could be walking around and stuff within the orchard but not in my garden um, so yes, definitely a fence within a fence. It's a fence. <laughs> Troy loved it when I asked him to do that for me because I had to have birds walking around in there. And um, mailed with hemlock wood and raised beds. Yeah. 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 But it's pretty. It is very pretty. <laughs> so this year we're going to kind of ship things around in the orchard and take more advantage of... There was um, So the people that lived here before we did planted quite a while ago some... Um, experimental we'll say type trees there's like what was that what's that one uh plum cot it's like a plum and an apricot but what it really is is just gross 
Yeah, it's, it's no good. Ugh. Anyway, of course, because it tastes so gross, it has to be one of the most robust trees out there. But anyway, so we're going to do some moving around. Do um, We're going to, um, let's see, we tried, we're adding some more berry bushes this year. And we're going to move the berry bushes we have along that, what would be, what, what side, is that an east-west that fence line? Yep, east-west. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to take all of the more spready plants, like the um, uh, winter squash, which we grow a lot of. We eat a lot of winter squash in the winter. That's our main starch, I'd say. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to um, put them, uh, the winter squash, out of the raised beds and into sort of longer longer rows so they can spread out more we found that they just we grow so much that it just it eats up too much of the raised beds and um yeah i think it's a better utilization of that area to allow for the plants to do what they want to do Mm -hmm. and then i can put more of my i've been growing more and more medicinal herbs in um the raised beds and uh that's been working out well too and lettuces and sort of the smaller plants and the peas go in there and radishes what else um i don't grow nightshades um carrots lettuces carrots i think we should put in a long row anyways Hmm. so we're just gonna move some stuff around in there this year um and uh yeah plant some more of the berry bushes and um horseradish finally my horseradish died anyway um and so of course with summer comes um sort of local fruit to us and then we bring in uh two or three times in a summer for the last 15 years i've been buying organic bulk fruit from the niagara region which is the southern part of our province it's the main fruit growing region um, for us here uh, in Ontario, in BC, they have the Okanagan, and that would be. But in Canada, those are the two main ones. I think Nova Scotia has the Annapolis Valley, right? They grow some fruit there, I think. It's kind of... Uh, yeah, you said Nova Scotia, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, so I've been arranging that for 15 years now, and we bring in thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's an incredible amount <clears throat> of fruit. And uh, we have... Um, I started a little um, buying group and um, everybody puts in their orders and we get flats of 25 to 50 pounds of beautiful, beautiful organic fruit. And so you get these huge boxes of, let's say, their peaches are just like something out of a dream. Like these are peaches you don't even get to taste anymore. It's like memories from your childhood, drippy and sweet and just so concentrated with flavor and um but the and it's so we're so grateful that we can get this fruit but the issue i guess it's just another one of those things in the summer where you suddenly have 100 pounds of fruit that fruit that you have to process and so there's just marathon sessions of canning and freezing and drying and um um, but that's a that is just part of summer and then you know in the middle of winter like right now when you pull out like um, a plum chutney like we did the other day to put on the um, oh, on the roast oh so good so good and, so good 
I think I gotta say there too, though, is I think like initially for the first many years you're running the uh, this fruit order, we tried to process a ton of fruits, and I think mm-hmm. over the years too, it's now again just been refined. Where I think we've learned what we actually use, and we've also you're utilizing it for how we like to eat it, which I think is so cool. Yeah. Like as opposed to just having the fruit and thinking we have to process it all and dry it or freeze it. Now you're actually putting it into all these beautiful little additions to our meals. Well, I think when you're figuring things out in the kitchen, you just got to try everything. Like you're like, okay, there's 50 recipes for what to do with a plum. So you're going to try and make 40 of them. And then you end up with a bunch of stuff and like you start noticing like, in your root cellar, your storm cellar, where, you know, even just in your basement that have your shelves of preserves, it's like, okay, we never go through this or we never go through yeah. that. <clears throat> Same with like um, fermented vegetables. Yes, you can ferment everything in the world, but does it get eaten? Like, you know, there's certain things you just figure out that these are the things that everybody likes and that's what I make a lot of. It's just such a better use of your time instead of trying to impressed with a whole bunch of things that no one really likes so much or you just don't use in your cooking either yeah Yeah. or just getting too much and having the excess Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. that's when you start giving it away as gifts yeah yeah that's the thing in the country everybody when you go to visit somebody you always bring a gift and when they come to visit you they bring gifts too and it's always things like a chutney or some homemade cheese or it's a great part of the rural culture, I think, is just that connectedness and the idea of giving. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we probably talked long enough, so I really appreciate you being here and talking with me. See, it wasn't that bad. No, it was good. Yeah, it was You're good. always awesome to talk to. Thanks, everyone. And um, if you have any more questions, we can answer them. But uh, hope there was something useful in here for you. Okay, have a good day or a good night, depending when you're listening to this, and we'll talk to you again. Bye-bye. See you all later.